Did your father ever pick cotton for a living? Oh, I my know where you're did. going. No, sir. Yeah. No, sir. My father yeah. never picked cotton, but I know where you're going. Go ahead. My father did. My mother okay. shook corn, put herself through nursing school in northwest Indiana. All my aunts uh-huh. and uncles on my father's side, they picked cotton for a living. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they worked themselves out of that job. You don't have to be stuck mm-hmm. in the job that you hate. Uh, and it, it's not a corporate large conspiracy theory type thing. There's a couple of uh, multimillionaires that you fail to mention that's, you know, buying up all types of farmland. And uh, they contribute to the Democratic Party, just like the Republicans mm-hmm. do. We're all part of this yeah. machine. Yeah. Okay. Hey. I agree with you there. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. When I talk about, actually, the, when when you hear me hitting Romney or or other cap, these guys that take advantage of people, do you ever hear me say Republican or Democrat? Well, everybody knows. I don't that think Nick you Romney do. Is a, no, 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 you don't. But everybody knows that Romney is Republican, and I don't mm-hmm. think I've heard you talk about uh, the. Uh, let me see. Well, let, let, let me let me just refresh you because maybe you haven't heard there is a there is this guy and not only a guy this is this black billionaire that gave uh, 400 medical scholarships and everybody was praising big time. Didn't you hear me say that this guy was a gentrificator who goes in and while he's given 400 scholarship to black kids, he's destroying their parents home. I you heard me say that. You know, so I mean, no, I'm saying, Brian, by uh, you're listening to me enough that you can see that I am not just some party hack. I I call a spade a spade. And I think that's why you listen to the show, because you know that as well. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, brother, well, let me go ahead and try to ask some more people to call in. And thank you so kindly for telling people to um to go ahead and contribute to the program appreciate you brian all right thank you have a good day take you too man all right folks look uh this is this is kpft 90.1 fm houston our call signs has to be talked as make mentioned at the top of the hour i think this is the first day of the fun drive for me that in the first hour i'm getting another 20 minutes or so to talk i haven't made a penny are we going to leave us politics done right here with a black eye? No. With a. <laughs> no. No black eye I'm for so, politics done right. I'm so hurt. I'm, I feel so belittled. I, I feel terrible. I totally understand that because on my show on Friday, I had to tell Tom, mm-hmm. I said, Tom, I have an empty screen. I am so disappointed. <laughs> and then some folks donated. <laughs> but we can't let this valuable community resource starve. We can't let politics done right end with a zero today. Please, folks, 713-526-5738, extension 1, give generously to politics done right, because right now we need it. Yes, we do. We do. And, you know, um, look, uh, and, and by the way, I prepare a full show. And I, I, I likewise, I prepared a full show for you today. Uh, many, many subjects other than what we're covered here. And I always tell you, you can go to politicsandright.com slash newsletter to get all the videos that I prepare. And, you know, I, 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 I sometimes, I, you know, I wake up at five o'clock to do the program. Right. But sometimes at one thirty, I'm still up making the videos for the program. Making the videos and writing the blog for the program. Sometimes I'm up till two. Last night I got three hours. And I'm not I'm not trying to be a martyr or anything like that. I'm trying to say that I put the respect into you all. Thank you so kindly, uh brother brother uh John. Thank you, John, for your contribution. I did get left with a zero. I'm told thank you. Ray, now we just Ray. need four. Ray, we just need four. We just need three more like Brother John. Thank you, John. You, 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 you saved me, Brother John. I appreciate you so kindly. But, folks, you know, last night I got three hours. I went to, you know, you know my, my wife like, what time did you get to bed last night? I'm like, 
I got to bed. I told her one thirty because I didn't want to say two o'clock because she would have been in my skin if I said two o'clock in the morning because she knows like the the alarm has to get off at at um, five o'clock and it's like hey, um, but look, let me tell you what. No matter what I'm doing, it's because of the respect I have for the audience. I'm not going to come and snow you guys with crap, right? I'm not going to just come out here and wing it. Uh, I I make sure that we have something that's going to have value to you. Uh, I mean, and I think that's what we should do. You have to have respect for the people that are funding you, right? And notice we said, who are our funders? You are the people, not the corporations or the person trying to sell a drug that doesn't work, but the people, you. So I ask you to call 713-526-5738 extension number one when we spoke about when we spoke about what's happening with vice a very good news organization it's the same thing that can happen here at kpft right uh we could we could reach a point where and and let me be honest with you um i I can say this um i'm on the 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 national board so i can say this without any issues um, there were there were times that there were considerations when there was absolutely no money, right? We weren't getting enough and, and there was more spending than we could bring in that, you know, automation was on the table. Automation is what you hear, uh, hear Brother Howard complain about with what the major stations are doing right now. And that is, it's all computerized. And it just go on 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 autopilot. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, uh, Howard? If you're here, okay, I'm here. Uh, I worked for the big boys in town for a number of years, and I saw this automation coming in. And then suddenly, there's out of town voice trackers. There's no live people in the studio, so it it took away the local flavor of the station. When you got someone voice tracking from, say. You know, Phoenix, Arizona. What do they know about Houston? Well, you can go on the internet and say, okay, well, here's what's going on in Houston right now. But it's not real. It's fake localism. And they do this all the time. All the big boys do it. Every one of those huge corporations that own radio stations in this town do it. I've seen it. So, and, and what, what, what separates KPFT from the big boys First of all, is the diversity of music we have here and the diversity of programming. You may hear a talk show, like Egberto's show. You may hear a music show that you really enjoy. So that separates us from them because they're all homogenous. Whatever their playlist is in Dallas, it's the same in Houston. And same in New York, it's the same thing. You're going to get different programming here. But that programming is brought to you by a transmitter. And the transmitter is a very hungry entity. It, it, it's humming along out there, and it's uh, taking up electricity. It takes electricity to make a radio station. The studio here uses a lot of electricity. And we have our own computers, too, that we have certain portions of the day that are, are automated. But it's not the whole thing. You can tune in and get local programming here. We know what's going on. So that's the big difference between the big boys in town who use out-of-town voice trackers with no connection to the market and us because we're local people. We come in every day. Hey, yeah, go ahead. Howard, we have somebody else to thank. We want to thank Rua uh, from Friendswood, who is a new sustainer. Rua, Yay! that goes uh, a long way. I, and she is also new. Uh, so thank you so Great. kindly for being a new sustainer at KPFT, and of course, John started uh, to started to get rid of Egberto's embarrassment of having a big donut. I no longer have a look. Thank you, guys. 
Um, you would not imagine how important that is to the station. I play around when I say this, but it really is serious that um, we need your support and we thank you for your support. We need about uh, we, we need another two hundred forty dollars. You know what? If somebody calls in and says, I want to have coffee with Egberto, that's two hundred fifty bucks. I'm done for the day. Well, actually, I need to get more because I'm behind on some days, but still. If we can get somebody to call in with that $250 uh, stuff, whatever you can call in for, we want. Another another sustainer, another $5 sustainer, another $10 sustainer. That would be wonderful right now. 713-526-5738, extension number one. Again, that is 713-526-5738. Remember the story I told you about Vice? And I have a couple other stories that are very important that that we uh, are to cover today and you can find that in politicsandright.com slash newsletter sandy come on in brother thank you egberto thank you to rua and thank you to john for getting us started on this monday morning it's always a little bit terrifying when you look at the screen and it's zero and we're got daylight cooking I also want to thank James, who just chimed in, Egberto. So we're moving along along to your goal. That's really wonderful news. Thank you. Three people now supporting Egberto and Politics Done Right and KPFT. And he's new. It's a new new person, uh, man. Yeah, two new members this morning, according to our software. (laughs) I might be considered (laughs) a new member from time to time from that software, too. (laughs) But hey, folks. New members, those of you that have never donated seriously, why not? You're listening, you're enjoying, you're consuming this nourishment that it's provided by your friends and neighbors. It's kind of like going to that neighborhood dinner. You show up, oh, I didn't know that you were supposed to bring something, but hey, let me grab that fork and plate in the corner and dig right in and, you know, just socialize. Tell the spork story. I love the spork story. I know. We'll do that at bedtime when you're sleepy and we're tucking you in, Howard. But for right now, 713-526-5738, option one, or kpft.org. With these pledges that have come in uh, just in the last couple of minutes, we've crossed the $122,000 mark. Our overall goal is 150. That's going to be on on Thursday night when we shut this down and go on to our birthday on Friday. KPFT will be 54 on Friday. And uh, hey, sounding good, looking good. Come on, folks. Let's get to 54 and then let's get to 55 and let's pass this forward to future generations. Truth in media, honesty in media. Your participation in media on this and other KPFT shows is possible. Where else, where else is that possible to have these conversations, these candid conversations without the bias? You provide the information to this station through programs like this, you talk and others, and Egberto simply just guides that conversation, hosts that conversation. We need you, folks. We need to make this goal and every goal. If we're going to wrap it up on Thursday with our uh, little thermometer, as it does, it does a little dance. It spurts over the top, and the red mercury goes everywhere. That's only in a hypothetical um, software sense. We're not spilling anything on the ground. That might be heavy metals or gra- or uh, <laughs> hazardous to folks. But what is hazardous is we don't make the goal, and there's no KPFT. So... Let's continue just person by person. James, Rua, John, William at midnight. Thank you so much for getting us started today. Back to you, Egberto. And great. You know, we we, we covered Missouri City, Friendswood, and Houston. I love that. 713-526-5738, extension number one. Remember, this: if you were here earlier and you heard the story we told about Vice News and what's happening to their news department, why uh, and we we talk about leverage buyouts we talk about all these issues of substance i know there are a lot of folks who heard that and are like that's not difficult why didn't i know that before and that's what we're here for support us uh, give us the ability to continue doing that uh 713-526-5738 extension number one to contribute we cannot i repeat we cannot do this without you. So please give us a call 
5738 extension 1 or go to kpft.org and uh, select whatever option you want $5 a month, $10 a month, some particular one fixed fee, whatever you want. Uh, select the gift that you want. Please make sure to say that you're given in the name of Politics Done Right so that we'll be credited appropriately. But 713-526-5738, extension number one. We cannot do it without you. And I know you want us here. I know you want us keeping on doing what we're doing, folks. And it's very, very important. The Vice Story. You know, last night, when I, as I was reading and preparing, one o'clock in the morning, I said, you know what? This story is going to tie perfectly into what we are doing at FunDrive. Because, uh, and as much as I hate FunDrive, Howard hates FunDrive, Jack, Sandy, we all hate FunDrive. But we have to do it so that we can continue being here on air. And when you see what has happened at Vice News, when you see what has happened there and you say, my God, we cannot, we, we, we must be there. We have got to be there. And the only way we can remain being there is if you keep us here. So I ask you so kindly once again, call now, 713-526-5738. Join John, James, and Rua. I'm telling you, you cannot know that the, the, the gratitude that I feel, that I know all of us in the studio feel right now, for those who are contributing to continue doing what we're doing. I know, I know. Thank you so kindly. Another sustainer from Alfredo. Muchas gracias, hermano mío. Thank you so kindly for your contribution to Politics done right. Alberto know him, his cousin from Costa Rica. All right. El, mi costarricense. ¿Cómo está mi amigo? Muchas gracias. But folks, please, please give us a call. We are almost there. 713-526-5738. One more time. 713-526-5738. Costa Rica is right against Panama, you know, next to the provinces of Chiriquí and Bocas del Toro. Uh, and I, by the way, I love Costa Rica. I went there to Ojo de Agua, San Jose, and all these places to kind of break bread with my cousins out there in uh, in Costa Rica, including Limon, where we got some good food in Limon. I know you know your Limon, uh, um, uh, Alfredo. Limon is really great, man. Uh, good food in Limon. Anyway, folks, 713 Five seven three eight. Let's get another. Let's let's close me out with another contribution, my brothers. Come on, my sisters. Come on. Seven one three, five two six. We're going to go to to Amy Goodman in a minute, but close me out well. Seven one three, five two six, five seven three eight. Extension number one. By the way, we now have Missouri, Texas, Friendswood, Texas, Houston, Texas, and Spring, Texas. Love it. Let's keep it going. Let's let's get. More Houston is bigger, and but let's get other places, man. 713-526-5738. Let me pass it real quickly to Howard and crew, and then we'll kind of uh, start shutting down into democracy now. I just want to know where Bel Air is. You've got uh, Missouri <laughs> yes. City. Where's Bel Air? You know, where's West University? Where are the other folks that need to support politics done right? Folks, you got to do it. 713-526-5738. And we're going to throw it to Sandy here for just some closing comments on from him. Sandy, take it away. Thank you, Howard. You are just one $5 a month sustainer away from making the goal. And by the way, Alfredo is a sustainer. Thank you for that. Uh, and that's a big thing. Your pledge is going to be matched with a $50 bill. And that's a good thing. And Rua is also a sustainer. Again, a $50 bill gets put on your pledge by an anonymous, generous benefactor of KPFTs, as it does for each sustaining pledge. Also, Alfredo, Rua, your name is going in the hat 
We're going to pick a name of the people that are signing up as sustainers this drive, and you're going to get the last pair, if you win the drawing, the last pair of Jesse Dayton Lyle Love It take tickets for April 20th. So thank you very much. We really appreciate that. $60 away from the overall goal. Come on, folks. We can do this together. Egberto, thank you so much for what you do. And good morning, everybody. It's Monday. <laughs> take it away. Hey. Go ahead. All right, folks, I want to thank Sandy for uh, helping out. I, I want to thank Howard and Jack. Great work as usual to our listeners. Love you all. You guys make us what we are. And to the callers, I have the best callers on the planet, the best, best chatters on the planet. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out. Come on, folks. Keep calling. Keep giving. We're done out here. We now join Amy Goodman and Democracy Now! in progress. Describe being forced to eat animal feed. When we were in Gaza City, we used to eat nothing. We would eat every two days. My mother, brother, and aunts were martyred. We are the only ones left. My father and my two brothers. Due to hunger and poverty, we secretly came to Dara al-Bala. We did not tell our father. After we came here, our grandmother called and started shouting at us. We used to eat bird food. It was bitter. We did not want to eat it. We used to do so forcibly. We used to have a small loaf every two days. We did not like it as it was bitter. We did not have clean water. We used to drink salt water and we got sick. We did not have water to wash nor clothes to wear. Where could we have gotten those? We came here. The boys are 11 and 9 years old. This comes as UN chief Antonio Guterres warned Monday against a full-scale Israeli military operation in Rafah, where well over a million displaced Palestinians have sought refuge, saying it would deliver, quote, the final nail in the coffin, unquote, for aid programs in Gaza, where humanitarian assistance remains, quote, completely insufficient. For more, we go to Cairo, Egypt, where we're joined by Mossab Abu Toha, a Palestinian poet teacher, author, and founder of the Edward Said Library in Gaza. His new piece for The New Yorker magazine is headlined, My Family's Daily Struggle to Find Food in Gaza. In it, he writes about a message um, that his brother Hamza posted on social media earlier this month, which included a picture of what he was eating that day. In his words, quote, a ragged brown morsel, seared black on one side and flecked with grainy bits. He translates his brother's Arabic caption, quote, this is the wondrous thing we call bread, a mixture of rabbit, donkey and pigeon feed. There's nothing good about it except that it fills our bellies. It's impossible to stuff it with other foods or even break it except by biting down hard with one's teeth. Masab Abu Toha, welcome back to Democracy Now! If you can start by responding to what you heard, you got out of Gaza with your children um, when you heard that a two-month-old boy starved to death on Friday in Gaza. Well, in fact, this is very scary because most of the population in Gaza are children. And uh, all my cousins, all my cousins, and all my most of my uh, nephews and nieces are younger than ten, so none of them would uh, survive if they didn't have any good food or clean water for days. <clears throat> Yesterday, I was uh, I, I got a video from my brother Hamza um, showing that he, my my mother and my in-law were. Uh, digging through the rubble, looking for some food. Uh, but all they could find were some books that were in my home. So people are, are returning to their bombed houses, which is not a safe, uh, a safe place to search for food, looking for some food that they used to have in their houses. And the, the news about the death of some children is really scary because, as I mentioned, most of the people in Gaza are children. So talk more about your brother's family and what he's facing right now and how you're dealing with this with your boys and your wife in Cairo. 
Well, one striking thing is that my eight-year-old boy, uh, whenever we sit to eat or whenever we get a phone call or when we tr- whenever we try to call our family in Gaza, the first thing my son asks is, does 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 my family in Gaza have food? Are they eating? So the fa- so we- he doesn't think about anything that has to do with the word itself. He doesn't he doesn't say that are they in a safer place? Is there no- no bombing anymore, God willing. No, he asks about food because he knows what it means to have little food when we were living living uh, in Gaza before we left uh, in December. So every time we, he hear us talking to our uh, family in Gaza, he would ask, does my grandfather has have food? Does my grandmother do? He, then he starts to mention his uh, uh, cousin's names. Uh, is uh, Mustafa is is he eating? Is yet is uh, is Nahida eating? So he starts to, to mention them by name, and for me, I feel really really uh, depressed whenever I go out in the street and find food. So two days ago, I went and I bought two loaves of bread for about less than a dollar. If I'm taking this these two loaves of bread to Gaza right now. I would make a fortune. I would sell them for about maybe fifty dollars. I'm serious because one. So yeah, this is very very recent news. One sack of bread, which weighs uh, twenty five kilograms, is sold for one thousand and five hundred dollars because there is no wheat flour. This is this is yesterday, and now I think the government in Gaza, although there is no government, but some people who, who worked with the government are threatening people who are selling these things for very, very staggering prices. Has your sister-in-law given birth yet? Yes, she gave birth to a boy. His name is Ali. And now the boy is 10, 10, day, 10 days old. And uh, my brother could find something like a gift for his uh, wife. Uh, he could find uh, a few pieces of, of beef and a few grains of rice for $100. So this wouldn't even be enough for his uh, for his wife who gave birth just 10 days ago. So so although it's a very expensive thing, he could find these things after a week of search. <clears throat> the last time UNRWA was able to deliver food aid to northern Gaza was January 23rd. Since then, together with other UN agencies—this is a tweet from uh, Philippe Lazzarini, the head of UNRWA—he said, the last time um, uh, we have warned against—it says, since then, together with other UN agencies, we have warned against looming famine, appealed for regular humanitarian access, stated that famine can be averted if more food convoys are allowed into northern Gaza on a regular basis. Our calls to send food aid have been denied and have fallen on deaf ears. This is a man-made disaster. The world committed to never let famine happen again. Famine can still be avoided through genuine political will to grant access and protection to meaningful assistance. The days to come will once again test our common humanity and values. Again, a post on social media by Philippe Lazzarini, head of UNRWA, coming as the World Food Program has also paused its aid delivery to northern Gaza. And of course, UNRWA under siege, the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has long tried to get rid of the UN agency. Um, And now nearly 20 countries have defunded it, including the country that gave UNRWA the most money, the United States. Mossab Abu Toha, your response. Well, I, I would like the whole world to, to, to listen to this. Now, Israel is not allowing food into the northern part of, part of Gaza, so people would, think, would, would regret not having left it, as Israel was encouraging people to, or ordering people to, to leave. And now people are thinking, okay, if we leave the northern part of Gaza, is it, it, would it be safe to be in the south? 
So because the first few days and a few weeks, Israel was telling people and ordering people, okay, you are safe now. You can take the Salah al-Din Street or the the, beat, the, the Sea Street uh, and go to the south because this would be a safe place for you. And mo- many, many people left, including me, and I was kidnapped on the way. But many people left, and now they are crowded in Rafah in tents. I have one brother who's a bodybuilder and weightlifter. He's a champion. He was a champion in Gaza. And he wrote me yesterday, he said, brother, I haven't left my tent for a week. I'm depressed. I'm about to die. So he's in Rafah and he's depressed. And he thinks that he's going to die very soon. This is one thing. And the other thing, how many food trucks have been halted from getting into Israel? How many weapons trucks, how many weapon ship, arms shipments were halted from getting into Israel? Why, is it, why could Israel stop food trucks from getting into civilians. And when we know that most of these civilians are children, while, the, the, while all the people in the world could not stop the ship, shipping of weapons, destructive weapons into Israel. I'm not, I'm not talking here about stopping food trucks from, in, from going into Israel, but I'm talking about uh, here about weapons. I mean, where is the mind of the people in the world? How could you allow this to happen? You are funding Israel with more weapons, and more food, of course. But you are not, we are not asking people to allow weapon trucks into Gaza. I mean, we are not asking for this because we don't want this to continue. We, what, what we are asking for is that people in Gaza have food and have medicine, and we need to, leave, to lift the siege on Gaza because this, this siege, which is now intensified, is the not start today. Gaza has been under siege since 2007. And now we are in the bleakest stages of this siege. Gaza is not only now under siege, but it's under genocide. So this is very scary. And I hope the, the world will not continue to watch and, and just show us that they are helpless uh, in the face of Israel. I mean, if you can't get food into Gaza, can you please stop the shipping of weapons into Israel? Because they are killing us every day. I wanted to ask you about the International Court of Justice, which has just concluded its six-day hearing on Israel's occupation of the Palestinian territories. This is Ralph Wald, a representative of the League of Arab States. The occupation must end. Israel must renounce its claim to sovereignty over the Palestinian territory. All settlers must be removed immediately. This is required to end the illegality, to discharge the positive obligation to enable immediate Palestinian self-administration, and because Israel lacks any legal entitlement to exercise authority. Second, in the absence of the occupation ending, necessarily everything Israel does in the Palestinian territory lacks a valid international legal basis and is, therefore, subject to the Namibia exception, invalid. Not only those things violating the law regulating the conduct of the occupation. Those norms entitle and require Israel to do certain things. But this doesn't alter the more fundamental position from the law on the use of force and self-determination that Israel lacks any valid authority to do anything. And whatever it does is illegal, even if compliant with or pursuant to the conduct regulatory rules. I will close by quoting Palestinian academic and poet Rifat Alariya from his final poem posted 36 days before he was killed by Israel in Gaza on the 6th of December, 2023. If I must die, you must live to tell my story. That was Ralph Wild, a representative of the League of Arab States, quoting the late Palestinian poet Rafat Alarir. Um, Masaba Butoha, you were a close friend of Rafat. Can you respond to what he said? Well, I, I'm, I'm still wondering how Israel could be still a member of the United Nations 
when we know that it is occupying Palestinian lands. I mean, this is, I think, one, one condition uh, through which Israel joined the United Nations, I think, in the uh, early 1950s was uh, to, to stand by you know, the borders that, that were set after the partition plan. But now Israel con- occupies more than 90% of the Palestinian land. Uh, I think what, what Rifat is asking is um, how the world is, you know, is, is, is unable to control a state that they continue to fund. I mean, they, they can't control it, but they continue fu- to fund it. And they continue to cut the funds to the, uh, to the, to the, to the United Nations organi- organization that is trying to support the Palestinian people, not during this genocide, but UNRWA has been supporting people. And I was educated in their schools and I went to their clinics and got uh, medications for free. And now they are cutting their funding during the most, the most critical time of our lives in Gaza and also in, in other parts of the world. So this, is, this, is, this really drives me insane because the world is, is, is pretending to be unable to do anything, but they do the opposite. They continue to fund Israel. They send, they, they send it weapons. They send, it, they send Israel uh, more fruit and more vegetables and more, more wheat fl- flour and more gas. But they say, okay, we can't, we can't stop Israel from killing children. And I mean, I, I hope that someone, someone, someone would would come to to explain this to me one time. And also, one one last point before I end uh, my, with my answer is that how many officials from the world came to Gaza to meet with the real people there? If they are saying that that Gaza is all Hamas, can you please come to Gaza and meet my mother? my brother, my sibling, Ali, who is now 10, 10 days old. Can you come and meet them and listen to them, what they, what they are asking for? But, but it, was, it was easy for them to, to, come, to go to Israel and meet with, them, with, the, with, the, with the monsters there who are waging the war and who are inciting uh, to kill more and more people. But they never came to Gaza. I, I think there is one reason for that, because is Gaza does not have an airport. So it was easy for them to fly and land in, in the land of Israel because they have an airport. But maybe one, re- one reason they couldn't come to Gaza is that Gaza does not have an airport. I mean, I could try to understand that. Masab Abu Toha, we want to thank you for being with us. Palestinian poet, author, teacher, founder of the Edward Said Library in Gaza. We will link to your new piece in The New Yorker magazine, headlined My Family's Daily Struggle to Find Food in Gaza. His award-winning book is titled Things You May Find Hidden in My Ear, Poems from Gaza. This is Democracy Now!, I'm Amy Goodman. We turn now to damning new projections about the health crisis unfolding in Gaza. In a minute, we'll be joined by one of the lead authors of a joint report from the London School of Hygiene and Johns Hopkins University, which found, quote, even in the best-case ceasefire scenario, thousands of excess deaths would continue to occur, mainly due to the time it would take to improve water sanitation and shelter conditions, reduce malnutrition, and restore functioning health care services in Gaza, unquote. In an interview with CNN last week, the regional emergency director of the World Health Organization, Dr. Richard Brennan, was asked about the report's projections. This study is absolutely striking. I don't know how many wake-up calls we need to alert us to the dire, absolutely dire and desperate situation on the ground. We've already lost 29,000 people from traumatic injuries. We already have over 70,000 others that have survived injuries uh, with some terrible injuries. I was in Gaza last week. You, you can't imagine uh, the deformities, the, the limb losses uh, of young children, young, uh, young adolescents, young adults uh, who are going to be left with these disabilities for years to come. Um, we don't know how many people are, uh, have died because they didn't get access to their blood pressure tab uh, medicines or their uh, uh, diabetic treatment and so on. But we know that we we suspect that thousands more have died unnecessarily because of lack of access to health care. And now you have these two reputable institutions. I know that the two uh, study leaders, no one is better placed to do these kind of estimates uh, than these two institutions. And now we're saying uh, if, if things continue, if we see this escalation, if we see this military operation into Rafa, we're going to be looking at an extra 80-odd thousand deaths in six months' time. If that's not a wake-up call, I, I, I don't know what is. 
That was the World Health Organization's regional emergency director, Dr. Richard Brennan. For more, we're joined in London by Zena Jamaluddin. She's a nutritionist and epidemiologist, one of the lead authors of this new joint report from the London School of Hygiene and Johns Hopkins titled Crisis in Gaza, Scenario-Based Health Impact Projections. She's a research fellow at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Zena, welcome to Democracy Now! Thanks so much for joining us. Just lay out your findings. Good morning, KPFT listeners. This is uh, Interim General Manager Sandy Wyman interrupting Amy Goodman's uh, program this morning, just briefly. Again, we are in Fund Drive. This is the final week of Fund Drive, and we have a long way to go to make our $150,000 goal. So I am imploring all of you that have not yet made a pledge this drive, or maybe never have made a pledge to do just that right now. Call 713-526-5738 so that we can continue bringing you this essential programming all across our schedule, including including Democracy Now! 713-526-5738. As we wrapped up Politics Done Right, Alfredo came on board as a sustainer. Thank you for that. Anelia from Austin, Texas, an existing member, Reup. Thank you very much, Nelia, for that acknowledgement of KPFT's value to your ears, to your mind, and supporting so many other people that cannot or did not or will not make a pledge. And finally, we've just gotten a new sustaining member, a small donation, almost a basic membership. We're talking about three bucks a month, but a sustainer. And if everybody listening were to do that, we may not be at our $150,000 overall goal. That's the power of community. That's the power of what you have in your hands out there. Free speech radio, community radio, it's no accident that we will be 54 years old on Friday. It has come from years and years and years of folks just like you that have stepped up and done their part, whatever that part might be. Like Keith, who just made a small donation from Sugarland. Keith B., thank you so much for that. Everybody, do your part. Five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, five dollars, twenty dollars, whatever it is that is your part. Because from all over the surrounding area and well beyond, since we stream worldwide, people are stepping up to support community radio, free speech, one of the last of its kind in the entire country, the Pacifica station on the Gulf Coast. We've got two in California, Berkeley and Los Angeles. We've got two on the East Coast, New York and Washington, D.C., and we've got one here in Houston. Support it, please. 713-526-5738, option one, or kpft.org, and I click on the donate button. Whatever it is, you feel to do your part is what we're asking. Let's get back to Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Thank you. Support, and good morning. Which is classified as catastrophic. Um, in the next six months, the prevalence would reach 50%. So uh, basically, responding to what you're saying, we're actually currently starting to see the critical phase of acute malnutrition being, uh, being um, portrayed. What would solve this, Sena? A ceasefire, <laughs> first of all. Uh, a significant increase in food access, whether it's also through airdrops and through uh, basically uh, allowing all the food trucks and also medical aid to come in uh, without any restrictions. I wanted to ask you about how casualties are prefaced, especially in the Western media. Uh, your piece for The Lancet in November is titled Excess Mortality in Gaza, October 7th to 26, 2023. So many news media in the West preface casualty figures by saying, quote, according to the Gaza Health Ministry, which is run by Hamas, which has led so many to question the veracity of the figures. What did you find? Um, so when the Ministry of Health has released the first listing of uh, people who were killed in, during October, 
we as epidemiologists uh, took this data and actually analyzed to understand what is happening in terms of duplication and the accuracy of the data. We have analyzed it as London School separately, but also Hopkins University has analyzed it. And we both find that there is no reason to actually doubt the accuracy of this data. Uh, there's another aspect of it all to say that uh, previous, in previous war, the Ministry of Health data has been validated and uh, basically uh, from different independent sources. Uh, at the same time, this is the same system that the Ministry of Health has used previously for COVID-19 reporting or other mortality estimation and reporting. So it's important to note that this didn't start uh, at the beginning of the war of reporting mortality. And so they relied on this system. But we did assess the accuracy and we find no reason to doubt these data sets uh, or the numbers reported by the Ministry of Health. Well, Zaina Jamaluddin, we want to thank you so much for being with us, nutritionist and epidemiologist, one of the lead authors of the new joint report from the London School of Hygiene and Johns Hopkins titled Crisis in Gaza, Scenario-Based Health Impact Projections. She's a research fellow at London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. We'll link to that report. Next up, anti-Palestinian at the core. We look at the origins and growing dangers of U.S. anti-terrorism law. Stay with us. While Amy's taking a break, let me remind you again, our phone number is 713-526-5738. Our February Thankathon Winter Fun Drive, as it's sometimes called, it's going to wrap up on Thursday, and at that time, we will have the money, I hope, to continue paying all of our bills through May. We're listener-supported. Again, if you have not yet given this drive and you listen to KPFT for Democracy Now! or other great programming, please join in in the mutual support with everybody else of Community Radio KPFT, 713-526-5738, kpft.org. Your funding is essential to continue. The money does not come from grants altogether. A little bit comes in that way or from underwriting. Uh, maybe 1% to 2% of our annual budget comes that way. The majority comes during these fund drives, the vast majority. And we leave it to the listener to make that call. We're not calling you. We're not sending you a bill in the mail. We're asking you to voluntarily do your part, 713 Five two six five seven three eight option one. Don't let this program go unsupported, please. Democracy Now! Independent journalism, bringing you on-the-ground interviews in the sites that are impacted globally where conflict is taking place. First-hand reporting is the best kind of reporting. 713-526-5738. Back to the program with Amy. Thank you. And the SJP and these kids who are pushing it are like the Hitler youth. Sorry, I know people don't like it when I say that, but it's true. And what Shai said before is spot on. Meanwhile, several American universities have suspended or banned students for justice in Palestine. In an interview in January with CNN's Dana Bash, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi claimed without evidence some protesters demanding a ceasefire in Gaza are connected to Russia and urged the FBI to investigate them. But for them to call for a ceasefire is Mr. Putin's message. Mr. Putin's message. Make no mistake, this is directly connected to what he would like to see. Same thing with Ukraine. It's about Putin's message. I think some of these, some of these protesters are spontaneous and organic and sincere. Some, I think, are connected uh, to Russia. And I say that having looked at this for a long time now, as you, you know. You think some not. of these protests are Russian plants? I don't think they're plants. I think some financing should be investigated. And I want to ask the, the uh, uh, FBI to investigate that. She later would say when people were protesting in San Francisco, go back to China. 
For more, we're joined by two guests who've been following all of this closely. Dara Lee is an anthropologist and lawyer teaching at University of Chicago. He's the author of the new briefing paper, Anti-Palestinian at the Core, The Origins and Growing Dangers of U.S. Anti-Terrorism Law, jointly published with the Center for Constitutional Rights and Palestine Legal. And we're joined by Dima Khalidi, founder and director of Palestine Legal. We welcome you both to Democracy Now! Um, Dara Lee, let's start with you. Talk about what you found. Good morning, Amy. It's good to be with you. Well, I think many viewers of Democracy Now! are probably familiar with the way that Palestinians have been slandered and stereotyped as terrorists for a long time. What this report does is it reaches back and connects the dots of a longer history, going back almost 50 years, showing how the very foundations of terrorism law in the United States at key moments of their development were crafted with the agenda of opposing or crushing Palestinian liberation in mind. The first time the word terrorism even shows up in federal law is in a 1969 statute, and it's unfortunately very relevant today. This statute restricts U.S. aid to UNRWA, the U.N. body that provides humanitarian aid to refugees, and it uses um, the word terrorism essentially as a synonym for Palestinian resistance. Um, and one of the chief sponsors of this legislation, Congressman Leonard Farbstein from New York, made a speech on the floor of the House of Representatives where he peddled the stereotype of uh, UNRWA schools and Palestinian refugee camps essentially as hotbeds of terrorism that are brainwashing the sort of next generation of terrorists. So in light of today's campaigns to defund UNRWA and to deprive Palestinians of humanitarian and aid, we can see that this is part of a much, much longer campaign that extends in many different directions. Can you talk about who is pushing these laws and what their agenda is, Darley? Yes. One of the other key aspects of the story is the role of organizations like the Anti-Defamation League in pushing for this legislation over time. And again, this is relevant for one of the clips that you just played, the clip of Jonathan Greenblatt, the head of the ADL, um, accusing student activists, SJP, of terrorism support, of being terrorism supporters. Um, there's a bit of a coming full circle moment here because the ADL was actually one of the organizations that lobbied very heavily for the passage of this law that criminalizes so-called material support to terrorist organizations. The material support statute is actually the most commonly used charge in federal terrorism cases. And the reason why it's prosecutors' favorite tool is because it is incredibly broad. It criminalizes ordinary activity that would, that would usually be covered and protected by the First Amendment. Um, so it's a very, very convenient weapon. And it was passed in the 1990s um, as the result of a long-running campaign by the ADL and other groups to essentially crack down on Palestinian community organizing and Palestinian solidarity organizing in the United States. And what they did actually was they exploited the outrage following the 1995 bombing of a federal building in Oklahoma City. Now, many people will recall, of course, that the people who carried out that bombing were U.S. citizens, essentially right-wing white nationalist militia members. Um, but the law that was passed as a result of the Oklahoma City bombing um, included, it was mostly a sort of get, on, get tough on crime, crack down on, on immigration bill that included the, the material support um, law that was proposed by the ADL as part of a larger package of measures that were all about essentially targeting Palestinian liberation movements. And Dima Khalidi, uh, head of Palestine Legal, let's be clear, it's not only students for justice in Palestine that have been banned on some campuses, but also Jewish Voice for Peace. That's right, Amy. Um, we've seen over the last several months uh, multiple efforts to shut down student activism, and that is a direct result of, uh, of, of uh, efforts by groups like the ADL, uh, but also by uh, uh, statements by President Biden himself that have said that he will he is mobilizing federal law enforcement to surveil uh, uh, campus activism. And these threats of surveillance that Pelosi herself uh, uh, made as well uh, are serious. And they reflect what we are saying in this report is a fundamentally anti-Palestinian agenda. Uh, when uh, the U.S. government, instead of uh, stopping military aid to Israel uh, to stop this genocide, 
is stopping funding for UNRWA, that is a lifeline for Gazans. Um, this is uh, uh, the result of decades of uh, anti-Palestinian rhetoric that has allowed these laws to develop and that is ultimately in this moment when people are mobilizing to stop this genocide, a cover for the genocide. It is a justification for the dehumanization of Palestinians and their allies to tar them uh, with criminal or discriminatory intent. And that's the intention of this report, is to really expose this, this anti-Palestinian agenda that is driving um, efforts to, to really expand these laws to, to target First Amendment activity that is is uh, trying to mobilize people uh, for justice. Palestine Legal has received multiple reports of the FBI harassing Palestine advocates for their social media posts. Can you describe some examples, Dima? Well, we and other uh, legal organizations that are supporting people who are facing increasing repression are getting multiple reports of uh, people being visited by the FBI. Um, often because of social media posts that they, they make, uh, because of their, their activism on the streets. Um, and people have even been uh, uh, visited by ICE, um, uh, immigration enforcement agencies. Um, and this is a direct result, again, of this rhetoric, um, of, of this increase in, in uh, surveillance resources uh, to law enforcement agencies. And uh, as we know from the post 9-11 era, um, the impact on our communities is enormous. It has a huge chilling effect on people, on First Amendment rights, um, but it also is, uh, is, is a, a, a signal of an erosion of a whole host of, of constitutional rights. Um, when law enforcement is mobilized in this way, as we saw in the 1960s with COINTELPRO, as we saw in the post-9-11 era. So this is uh, just the beginning, we think, of what is a, a massive mobilization of state resources against this movement. And uh, this is why we're publishing this report now, to really encourage lawmakers to protect First Amendment rights, to roll back these laws which are only shielding Israel from accountability and scrutiny and undermining fundamental First Amendment rights for everybody. Can you talk about the anti-Palestinian bills that are in front of Congress tonight, one of them that would possibly radically expand deportations of Palestinians at this time, Dima? Yeah, we're seeing legislatures around the country, not just Congress, but uh, state legislatures uh, threatening, uh, pr presenting bills that are uh, trying to justify uh, an erosion of, of constitutional rights and um, uh, First Amendment rights by uh, noting uh, terrorism, supposed terrorism threats, right? Um, and certainly in, after October 7th, we saw an increase in these kinds of bills, um, one that, that wanted to deport all Palestinians. And we see this rhetoric from our elected officials as well. So um, we're, we are uh, very clear that the reason that this is allowed to happen is because uh, this anti-Palestinian sentiment has been cemented not only into U.S. law, but into the minds of people. And that's why uh, these kinds of bills are, are proposed with hardly anyone blinking an eye uh, while uh, Palestinians are being obliterated in Gaza as we speak. Um, so this is a very concerning moment. Um, and, and one where we must all stand up and recognize that uh, our laws are, uh, be, have been built and are being used and exploited uh, to further uh, the, the Israel's own agenda and, uh, you know, the United States complicity in, uh, in what Israel is doing right now. Dara Lee, can you talk about what most surprised you in this last minute we have uh, in doing the research for this report? Yes, well, I think uh, one of the surprising episodes um, is the one that I referred to earlier about the way that the material support law was passed after the Oklahoma City bombing. Essentially, what happened was that the Clinton administration proposed a sort of 
general anti-terrorism law that included the things that the ADL wanted that essentially targeted Palestinians, but also included things that you would expect, like expanded law enforcement authority, regulation of, of firearms and explosives and so on. And the House-led, um, sorry, the Republican-led House of Representatives essentially gutted that bill and replaced it with all of the provisions that they wanted. Um, and immediately, uh, the Democrats and the ADL pushed back, lobbied very hard, and the parts of the original bill only, the ones that pertained to so-called international terrorism that were essentially targeting Palestinians, were put back into the bill. So it's a really sobering example of how anti-Palestinian animus is one of the most enduring um, areas of bipartisan appeal in Washington. Well, I want to thank you both for being with us. We're going to link to your report. Daryl Lee, lawyer, associate professor of anthropology and social sciences at the University of Chicago, and Dima Khalidi, founder and director of Palestine Legal. The new briefing paper is Anti-Palestinian at the Core, the Origins and Growing Dangers of U.S. Anti-Terrorism Law. That does it for our show. To see all our video and audio podcasts, you can go to democracynow.org. And congratulations to our whole team as we just surpassed 2 million YouTube viewers. Democracy Now! produced with Renee Faust, Mike Burke, Dina Gesdershirt, produced Messiah Rhodes, Nermeen Sheikh, Maria Tarasena, Tammy Warnoff. I'm Amy Goodman. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, KPFT listeners. This is Interim General Manager Sandy Wyman speaking to you on the final Monday of our winter fun drive. Our thankathon, our marathon, call it what you will. If 